This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. And welcome to the City of God podcast, where we are weekly exploring today's biggest cultural issues, all through the lens of God's infallible word. My name is Rob Pacienza, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, John Rabe. John, great to see you today. It's great to see you, Rob. It's always a pleasure to get to join the podcast, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be here today. And this is a really interesting one for me. Uh, I have to admit, when we were going into this discussion, I didn't know exactly what to expect, and I just found it incredibly helpful, enlightening, eye-opening, and I think that our uh, viewers and listeners will as well. You know, over the past, well, it's hard to believe now, four years. It's been four years now since this business with the pandemic got started. Uh, Over the past four years, um, with the pandemic and then the subsequent things that arose from it, uh, vaccine mandates and and so forth, uh, the issue of medical freedom has really started to come to the forefront and gain a lot of traction, raising a lot of questions. Can the government force us to make specific medical decisions? And uh, and so as we are looking Looking into those issues, we also see that there are, there are issues to be concerned about when it comes to our medical data and who has that data. And again, what can we be compelled to do? What sorts of freedoms do we have as, as American citizens uh, with uh, privacy of health care? So those are issues that we delve into on today's program with a very interesting guest. Yeah, this issue of medical freedom or even that phrase might be new to our audience, but this is something that we've been dealing with, if we're honest, for, as you said, the last four years. And, and and more than likely dealing with it way longer mm-hmm. than that, but it really got exposed right. blatantly during the uh, during the pandemic of 2020. And so we're joined today by Twyla Brace. She's a registered nurse. Twyla is the president and co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom. Her latest book is called Big Brother in the Exam Room, The Dangerous Truth About Electronic Health Records. And in an age where we are seeing just blatant um, uh, overreach, uh, by the both the federal government and by the uh, medical industry. Uh, we're seeing our freedoms uh, ripped away and uh, really a loss of privacy uh, in the area of health and medicine. Uh, Twyla is a, a voice in the wilderness, but a welcomed voice to really help expose what's going on behind the scenes, the, the, the billions of dollars that are mm-hmm. being invested uh, uh, by the medical industry and big pharma and what we as Christians and those that believe that our conscience uh, can only be bound by God and the scriptures uh, and not by government and not by the health industry. She really helps Christians understand what our rights are and, and how those rights are being threatened. As you said, I think that we all recognize the clash between sort of that that f- medical freedom and the mandates that were coming down when it came yep. to the vaccines. But in this conversation with Twyla, I came to discover there are all sorts of other aspects of medical freedom where our, our rights and our freedom are being encroached in a dangerous way that I had no idea about. It Absolutely. was it was news to me, and it's something that we need to be aware of. And and not only how it's affecting us, but how it's affecting our children yeah. and our grandchildren, um, and how they they're going to if we don't do something about it, grow up in a country where they don't even understand the concept of freedom, particularly in the area of uh, you know their their medical rights and their health rights, and uh, really how it's damaging psychologically uh, the next generation. Yeah, and what's what's more 
personally, what, what has to do more with personal rights than the integrity of your own body and and your own wellness and and the the things that you can do or can't do yep. to try to make yourself well and uh, and those things are all being interfered with to the point where you're going to have bureaucrats and we've already seen this uh, under government healthcare, but you'll have bureaucrats saying, you know what, you're just not um, you're, you're not a good expense for this sort of treatment, so we're not going to give it to you. Taking that freedom for healing out of the hands of the people, uh, it's it's very worrisome, and, and Twyla is able to shed a yeah. lot of light on that. So we'll us. talk about uh, government overreach in the area of health care. We'll talk about how it's affecting the next generation. And we'll also go around and talk about the uh, different states around our country mm-hmm. and how we're seeing this kind of in real life, real life examples, but also give our audience some practical tips and advice on how they can respond uh, to uh, push back against the uh, government overreach, particularly in the area of medicine and healthcare. And so without further ado, here is our interview on medical freedom with Twyla Brace. Twyla, thank you so much for joining us on the City of God podcast today. Oh, well, it's great to be here. Thanks so much. Twyla, you are a registered nurse and you're also the president and co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom. Why do you find the issue of medical freedom so important today? Well, medical freedom is all about the patient and doctor working together to improve the life and the quality of life and to oftentimes to save the life of the individual. And, you know, I do always look back to the fact that healthcare is a mission. Medicine has always been a mission. And what I like to say is that the mission of medicine is being taken over by the business of healthcare. Mm. And this is not a good place for any patient to be in. And it's actually a very unethical, immoral place for a physician or an, or another healthcare provider to be in. So we really need the patient and the doctor working together again. After all, life is uh, a very important part of this country. Liberty is a very important part of this country. And of course, there's the great physician who was the ultimate of the mission of medicine while he walked the earth. Amen. There- there's certainly a lot to talk about in when it comes to these issues of medical freedom and uh, and this liberty. And we saw so much happen over just the past couple of years. But I'm curious, tell me a little bit about what you mean by that. That's interesting to me, the, the, the business of medicine being inserted, because I think we're aware of areas, and we'll talk about some of them today, government overreach and, and some of the fears about that. But what's the business side of it that's intruding itself between patients and doctors? Yes, I think a lot of people don't understand this. I'm and I am glad that you asked the question because the business side is the fact that healthcare has been taken over by corporations, but it's been taken over by corporations because of what the government has done. So in 1973 was the HMO Act of 1973 by uh, Senator Ted Kennedy and approved by Richard Nixon. And really that was the merger of the financing and delivery of healthcare into something called the HMO. That HMO is now called the health plan. And as you might know, uh, Hillary Clinton intended for all of us to have an HMO, and she failed. But the Affordable Care Act requires all of us to have the health plan. So what we really have is the corporate version of socialized medicine. And we have now hospitals that are buying health plans and health plans that are buying hospitals. And all of this is in conflict of interest with the patient, who, after all, is the point of the entire healthcare system. Mm. 
Twyla, I'm sure there's a lot you could say about the uh, current status of the Department of Health and Human Services, but most recently they proposed new regulation uh, that would continue to intrude on patients' right to privacy. Could you talk a little bit about that new uh, regulation that was proposed? Well, what I think you're talking about is for Medicare and the social determinants of health. And that regulation is a physician payment uh, rule. And actually, it has just come out. It's been finalized. Uh, Interestingly enough, I'll talk a moment about the privacy realm, but I do want to say that it cut physician payment. And instead, it is diverting payment into clinics and hospitals that collect the data. So they're going to be paid to collect the data, but overall, they're their rates are going to be cut for actually caring for their patients. And so what this initiative is called is the social determinants of health, which if you look at it is essentially a Marxist initiative because it seeks to centralize the entire economy in order to get to make sure that the people of America are healthy. So they're collecting data on every angle you could think of of your life, from the car that you drive to the income, to your education, to you know what's your family structure, what kind of healthcare do you have? Is there a park close? Is there walkability in your neighborhood? You know, all of these things. You think of something, they want to collect data on it, and they want to use the exam room, which is exploiting the exam room as a mechanism to collect that data. Because when you are a patient, and I don't care if you are a patient who needs uh, simply an antibiotic for an ear infection, you are a vulnerable person because you can't get it without them giving it to you. So this is a time when a lot of people feel like they have to answer the questions on those intrusive questionnaires and uh, in order to get the care that they need. And this is not how the healthcare system should be. Uh, that's interesting. I want to just follow up on that. I, I have a friend, this hasn't happened to me yet, but a, a, but a buddy of mine told me about going to his physician and they ran through some questions with him. And one of the questions they asked him was if he owned a, a handgun. Uh, he said, what in the world does that have to do with my medical exam? And, and refused to answer the question. But th- this really is happening. What is what is the point of all this collection of data? What are the, what are the dangers of this? Uh, where is it going? And, and what are the dangers of, of, of these institutions having so much of it on us? Well, I think if you look what happened during COVID, you will see the tyranny and the tyrannical impulse, I guess, of the public health departments, you know, willing to just lock us down, muzzle us and, and you know, force us into uh, shots that haven't even been proven to be safe, right? right? And so if you look across the history of the world, you'll see that every tyrant, one of the first things that they do is begin to, to collect data to, you know, uh, impose surveillance. And so really, this is just about, you know, profiling the entire American public when they are in a vulnerable position using the exam room and having all that data to profile the patient, to track the doctor, and to make decisions about what can and cannot be done in the in the exam room and at the hospital bedside. So that they will say that this is a way to decrease costs. They will say that this is a way to improve the health of the population. But at the end of the day, they're the ones in control and they're the ones that can use the data to hurt us. So one of the other things that we say is he who holds the data makes the rules. And this is why we encourage people not to provide all the answers to that information, to just say no. If you're there to get your toe looked at, 
don't answer any questions that have anything to do with anything but your toe, right? I mean, that's what you should be thinking. That's how you should be thinking that this is not about making you healthy. It's not about improving anything. It's about collecting data. And a lot of doctors are being judged on their quality of care based on how much data they collect from you. Mm. And these, these are government mandates and these are healthcare system mandates. So in other words, again, you know, the mission of medicine being taken over by the business of healthcare and you as a patient, unfortunately, I mean, I'm a nurse, I'm an emergency room nurse uh, who, who started this organization a long time ago, but um, I, I really very much advocate for the patient. And I know that the patient has to arm themselves when they go into the exam room. And I'm sorry to say that, but that's actually true for the freedom of the patient, but also for the freedom of the country. Let's talk a little bit about the radical left's argument uh, in, for instance, promoting abortion at all stages. Uh, they make the argument, my body, my choice. I think it's quite ironic that my body, my choice wasn't uh, the option for those that were threatened with vaccines, whether it's in the military or uh, you know their employment was being threatened. Let's talk a little bit about that double standard in our nation when it comes to my body, my choice. Well, a lot of people ask me because we spend a fair amount of time working with state legislators around the country as well as members of Congress, right? And so people come up to me and they ask me questions about the legislation that gets proposed and the votes that are out there. And they say, well, you know, don't they understand X? And I'm like, you're talking logic. They're talking politics. They're talking agenda. So when you talk about that, you know, difference that, um, or what, what's the word I'm trying to think of? That hypocrisy, right? Sure. And making this kind of a claim, then you're talking logic and you're talking reason. But that's not how politics works. And if they have the power and they have the votes, then they will do what they want to do, and it doesn't matter about anything else except the power and the agenda. It's good. It it really is, and and so you know when we look at this this hypocrisy and the the dangers that we we face here uh, here in Florida, where Rob and I are, I, we talked about this before we we started here in 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 sunny Minnesota. We're in sunny Florida, but in our state, uh, Governor DeSantis uh, here has has passed some really strong medical freedom legislation, uh, some of the strongest in the nation. If you would tell us a little bit about what that entails, and do you see it as something that other states uh, should be doing or could be doing in the future? Absolutely. Governor DeSantis really led the way during COVID, and I was so impressed. You know, I started doing videos twice a week on COVID to let people know what was really happening, the studies that were really coming out that nobody was talking about. And then uh, Governor DeSantis held his roundtable. And it was very, very clear that he knew the he knew like he knew almost what I knew. <laughs> so he had done his research, he had gotten the information, and he knew what the truth was. And so he held this roundtable, and he had the real experts with the real truth, you know, talking to the American people. And people were so upset with him on the left, but he was in the right uh, direction. So he started doing things like I remember when he heard uh, someone uh, in one of the hospitals, I think in Tampa, his friend told him try 
ivermectin. That guy was dying. He was saying goodbye to all of his friends. And then he asked his doctor for ivermectin. His doctor said, okay, well, we'll try it. And by the next day, by four o'clock that morning, he said he could feel that he was getting better. And when DeSantis heard that, he ordered ivermectin, I think from Thailand, you know, for the state of Florida. So uh, the laws that he has passed, the executive orders that he has signed that prevent employers from mandating the vaccine, uh, um, prevent schools from mandating it for being in school, you know, everything that he has done to try to preserve the freedom in Florida has really led the way. And so now we have um, uh, Huckabee Sanders. Uh, I can't for the life of me think of her first name. Sarah, Sarah that's right. Uh, we have her, you know, signing this bill that prohibits employers uh, from uh, mandating the vax, right? And we have Governor uh, Reeves, I believe, or Tate in um, in Mississippi, it might be Tate Reeves, actually, in Mississippi. And he has said, there's no way we're going to follow any COVID rules. We're not going to, we're going to go to the grocery store. We're going to go to our churches. We're going to go here. We're going to go sports games. We are not going to follow, right? And that was all really led by Governor DeSantis. It's been revealed that the government had a hand in uh, silencing dissenting opinions regarding COVID. Um, explain to our audience how simply voicing uh, alternative treatments to COVID, for instance, were getting people banned and ultimately silenced. Right. Well, the government didn't want the truth to come out because they had an agenda. Again, it doesn't matter about logic. Actually, in this case, it didn't even matter about saving lives. It was a much bigger agenda. And one of those agendas was to make sure that they would set a standard for the future that parents would not be able to control whether or not their children got vac vaccinated uh, over not just COVID, but over everything. That was one of their agendas. So if they could get to the point where government could mandate and no other voice could come out there to say there was any other treatment, you know, that was one of their agendas. The other agenda was to, you know, all the money, right? So that the pharmaceutical companies uh, could not have gotten these two into Americans' arms without an emergency use authorization. Well, you, the government, the FDA could not provide an emergency use authorization if there was actually a treatment that worked. That's within the law. They couldn't have done it. So they couldn't be out there saying that there was a treatment that worked. In essence, they were violating federal law because there was a treatment that worked, but they still won't acknowledge it. Uh, and so there were a lot of uh, agendas going on here that that served to try to silence the American people. And so, you know, the brave doctors, the brave nurses, the brave organizations that just refuse to be silenced, Elon Musk, who bought Twitter to let a lot of people be able to actually uh, speak the truth. You know, nothing's perfect, but you know, what a, a great freedom thing that that was to get the word out. And I just want to say something about ivermectin, because this is an opportunity for all of your listening audience to hear something really amazing about ivermectin. So there's a case study out of the country of Cameroon. And this is a 19-year-old girl who decided to, to uh, commit suicide using ivermectin. So she was found after she, after she had taken 400 pills, more than one or almost 100 times the dose for her body. Well, they took her to the hospital. They gave her comfort treatment, supportive treatment, essentially, uh, like IVs, you know, and they to just treat her symptoms. And five days later, she was out of the hospital and she's now at university studying. So this 
just shows you the safety of ivermectin. Uh, and the other thing is to know that NIH was already using ivermectin to treat cancer, but yet they never talked about that and how safe it was and how it was showing really positive results. So this is truly the lies of the government and the censorship about truth and censoring their own truth, what they knew to be truth. It is so scary. I mean, when you, I, I love the distinction you're making, but it's a sobering reality that we're not talking about the government operating with truth and facts and clarity, but agenda and politics. As Christians, I can't help but think of Romans 13, where the Apostle Paul outlines the role and the duty of government to promote the common good and to restrain evil. I also think of Isaiah when he says, woe to those that call evil good and good evil. And and that's I mean, what you're describing is exactly what is happening. The, the weaponization of government, not promoting good and not restraining evil, but actually being used against the American people. And I think any American citizen who loves liberty and any Christian who believes in the importance of religious freedom and the freedom of conscience should be incredibly concerned about some of the things that we're talking about today. And especially when, and this will lead into our, our next question, Twyla, but uh, you know, the, the, the late great uh, conservative commentator, Charles Krauthammer used to say, uh, liberals don't care what you do as long as it's mandatory. Um, you know, and it does seem like there's, there's more than anything else, a, a power play that was exposed here. You know, we can argue and, and the debate even goes on now between the, uh, the safety and the efficacy of the vaccines, the, the efficacy of ivermectin, hydrochloroquine—you know—all of these things can be debated and discussed. But the the thing that seemed to happen uh, and has been going on in more than just COVID, but we saw it so well exposed in COVID, is that there is this this statement that's made that science has spoken, and if you veer from this line, you are the worst of the worst. You are a danger to those around you, and you are going against science. And yet, um, that wasn't even remotely true from the get-go, was it? The, the science, if, if science takes some time to do, uh, and, and, and a new medicine takes usually years of, of testing and so forth. And so what was happening here was that the, the government themselves uh, and, and advocacy groups were patching together their own solutions and then saying, this is what the science says, and so you have to go along with it, when none of that was ever really the case, was it? That's correct. And as a matter of fact, if they looked at their own, quote, science, which is now coming out in the Pfizer documents, uh, we would have heard about the people who died that were in the clinical trial, but we didn't hear about that, right? Mm. And so the fact of the matter is that science is a moving target. And when they, and there's no such thing as static science, there is nothing right. that is just solved, done, and done with, right? And so uh, just one very interesting interesting thing for the, you, you know, a lot of people grew up with people having ulcers, right? And I don't know if you know the case about the scientist, the doctor, who said, it's not because of acid foods. It's not because of this. It's actually because of a bacteria. Could, could he get a dollar to do his study? He could not. He had people laughing at him, disparaging him, everything. So he finally took the bacteria. He took it into his body. He drank it. And then he proved, and then he took an antibiotic, and then he proved that it, uh, that it was actually the bacteria. Hmm. And he got a Nobel Prize. Hmm. But he tried for years to get funding for, to, you know, 
know, just to prove what he knew was true. And so for them, for everybody else, it was settled science. Ulcers all had to do with acid foods and that sort of thing, right? So this is a really important thing. Science is never settled. Science is only settled until the next person discovers the next discovery. And, you know, God has given us so many discoveries that we don't even know what they are. And and so many things that are out there that we don't even know where they are. And so things are discovered all the time. And there's there's no such thing as settled science. Amen. But there certainly there certainly is hidden science. And that's what we experience with Pfizer and Fauci and others. Yeah, well, one group that believes uh, that science is settled is the uh, New York State government. Uh, they, uh, the New York State government Department of uh, Health, uh, has introduced a program for vaccinating children, and we're seeing this, uh, you know, all over um, how the vaccine is affecting the next generation. Talk to us a little bit about how it is affecting the next generation and our children, and why parents out there should be incredibly concerned. Really, it's it's uh, it's striking what the science is actually being ignored about the spike protein, and and all the scientists, all the microbiologists, the people who have you know won awards and made discoveries, and what they're saying about the spike protein is just being ignored as though it were meaningless. But the fact of the matter is, every time you get an injection of the COVID shot, you get um, you you force your body to become a spike making a factory. And so um, so then your body is getting the spike protein and the spike protein is toxic. And when studies are done, like there are autopsies that were done that were have found that a lot of the people who died died because of the shot. That was a Dr. Peter McCullough study. I think it was like 74% or something who in the autopsies of people who died that they could prove that came from the shot. This is the toxic uh, spike protein at work. This is the spike protein entering the, the cardiac tissue. You know, the young people who have died in the middle of sports or just collapsed out of nowhere, uh, all these sudden deaths, a lot of them in young men. And so, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen. We do know that the um, lipid nanoparticles that house uh, what what is forced into your body through the shot, uh, the it breaks up. And we know that a study out of Japan shows that 40% of it ended up in the ovaries. So we have no idea even how it's going to impact births and fertility. There's a lot of things having to do with children that we don't understand. And, and furthermore, COVID is virtually harmless to children all through the epidemic it's been virtually harmless unless you know the child was incredibly obese or had cancer or leukemia you know other than that children really pass through with with no hardly any symptoms so this is not something that should be given to children in any way shape and form and we surely don't know what the future is because they haven't even you know the interesting thing about this is that the cdc had like 10 million people in their, um, what was it called, V-Safe database. And they they just dismantled it. They just dismantled it. So they're not even doing long-term research. And in this database, these 10.1 million people, I think, were actually reporting directly to the CDC any of their symptoms along the way, after and after and after years, you know, several years after now we're talking, right? And the CDC just dismantled it. So they're not even using it to see what happens to these people. So they're not interested, apparently. 
Well, if there's any good side to this, it's that I think far fewer people are going to sort of uh, just sit still for it the next time that it happens, at least if it happens in the next couple of decades and in recent memory of of the events of 2020 and, and subsequently, because I think even on all sides of the issue, so many people realize that absolutely, uh, you know, negative uh, results were suppressed, that speech was suppressed, the Twitter files showed us that that uh, the government was working with social media to suppress dissent on these kinds of things. Um, It's woken up many people on both sides of the political aisle to the way that these things were sort of strong-armed through. So I I think maybe more people will be awakened to that and will not be as quick to just shut down their churches, shut down their businesses, and so forth the next time that we have something like this happen. Uh, And you worry that we will have something like this happen because nobody's ever gotten to the root of where it came from, why it came from, and so forth. But uh, what what do you see? How can we uh, prevent? The, we may not be able to prevent the virus. We may not be able to prevent some sort of outbreak. But how do we prevent this from happening again? The sort of mass medical intrusion and and the mass medical suppression, frankly, that we saw over the past three years. Well, part of what has happened across the country, particularly with the Affordable Care Act, is it has put about 70 to 75 percent of our physicians under employment. They are no longer independently practicing. They're getting wages or salaries, just like other people. So that means that they're working for their employer, not for the patient. Mm. And this is one of the things that we have uh, zeroed in, I I guess you would say. We started the Wedge of Health Freedom, a national uh, independent or National Directory of Independent Practices across the country with the idea that these people don't take government uh, programs, they don't take Medicare, they don't take Medicaid, they don't take insurance, they take cash, they work for you. And this is a parallel healthcare system that we are uh, moving forward in this country. We eventually want uh, cash-based hospitals. And I can just see your viewers going, oh my goodness, how's that going to work? How will I afford that? Well, one one of the ways that you'll afford that is because you won't have all the third party uh, uh, corporations in the middle between you and your doctor, you and your hospital. The other way is we're going to bring back real insurance, the indemnity kind of policies like you have for your home or your car that pay you. And then you pick your doctor, you pick your hospital, nobody gets in the middle, every price is transparent. And that's where our organization is moving the country. The other thing to do is to really, really key in on the data. Uh, Ask your state legislators to pass a real medical privacy law in your state. Uh, HIPAA does not protect your privacy. It actually discloses all of your information without your consent. You have been duped. This is a deliberate deception on the on the part of the government. And so, but a real state privacy law uh, supersedes HIPAA and means that they have to ask for your consent. They can't share your records electronically like they can under HIPAA if you have a state law. So we actually, uh, sorry, we, I actually wrote a book, Big Brother in the Exam Room, The Dangerous Truth About Electronic Health Records. It has an entire section on the truth about HIPAA. And so there are things that you can do, but guarding your privacy, guarding your child's privacy is really, really important to actually protecting freedom in this country, because the foundation of freedom is privacy. So I'll just hold up because I've got it here. I've got my book, so it can be ordered anywhere where you order books. 
And um, and people have considered it a reference book. It's got a whole index. It's gotten eight awards. And really, I just told the story of what happened and what has to be done to bring us back to freedom, which really means bringing us back to privacy. Well, Twyla, we, we thank God for you. Uh, once again, that book is Big Brother in the Exam Room. Right. Excellent. Big Brother in the Exam Room, The Dangerous Truth About Electronic Health Records. But if you just remember Big Brother in the exam room .com, you can find it. There you go. Love it. Uh, Twyla with Citizens Council for Health Freedom. You know, as I'm, I'm sitting here, we're wrapping up this conversation. I think a great reminder and a great call to action that you just gave, particularly to the people of God, just reminding uh, people out there that are listening to this podcast, watching this podcast, that uh, the government is a servant to the people and ultimately to God mm -hmm. and, and not the other way around. And, and we've th seen things turned upside down rapidly mm -hmm. uh, in this nation. And so once again, uh, for any American that loves liberty and particularly Christians who understand that liberty ultimately comes from Christ, that our conscience can't be bound by the state. Uh, we appreciate what you're doing in the area of medical freedom. So God bless you and thank you for your important mission. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to have get, gotten this opportunity to talk to your folks. I really hope you enjoyed that intriguing interview with Twyla Brace and really helped to expose what is really happening behind the scenes uh, concerning uh, healthcare in America, government overreach, and what's happening to the next generation. If you are encouraged and inspired by this conversation, we pray that you would pass along to family and friends as we together explore what it means to engage culture faithfully uh, for the kingdom of God and engage culture all through the lens of God's infallible word. We hope to see you here next time at the City of God. The City of God podcast is produced by Coral Ridge Ministries and made in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. Visit us at cityofgodpodcast.com to access all of our previous episodes. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or anywhere you get podcasts. A full video version of this podcast is available on YouTube. This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture.